listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16. The official beer of the Swift Current Broncos is Ryan Schweitzer and Craig Boschman. Broncos This Week podcast brought to you by Original 16. I'm Ryan Schweitzer. He's Craig Boschman. Uh, tough week for the Swift Current Broncos in the uh, win-loss column. Uh, since our last podcast, 5-1 loss to Red Deer, and then last night, Bosch, uh, third period. I don't know if that was the most fun you've had calling a game, <laughs> but 8-2 uh, loss to uh, Portland. Yeah, there's going to be some tough ones, obviously. It's the growing pains of a team that's kind of working towards something bigger in the future so there's going to be nights like that from time to time and you know last night was one of those ones against Portland uh, you know as, as we'll hear from uh, assistant coach Brandon Cote a little later on here team they felt like they were right there with Portland through 40 it was a 4-2 game after two and then uh, Portland got one within two minutes of the third period and the wheels just kind of fell off a little bit so uh, there's going to be nights like that but um, you know through 40 it was great and I just got to find a way to extend that through 60 I guess well yeah and I think that was the problem with Red Deer as well I think uh, the it's a young team that we have here, but they can certainly be competitive and and hang with some of these top teams. But uh, really like what I saw from Portland last night, a good, skilled, young team that will certainly make waves uh, out west. Yeah, I didn't realize how much skill that team had, to be quite honest with you. I knew they've got obviously a long history of, of winning and very high-end players. But when you look at their roster right now, there's not really that one guy who stands out as a superstar type player. But then you see them, and there's a lot of guys who uh, have a lot of confidence with the puck. Uh, Seth Jarvis really stood out to me yesterday, one of their, their first round from uh, 2017 and a guy who'll get drafted this year he had some uh, really you know high-end skill in that game and uh, yeah they've got some guys who, who can be some real difference makers and uh, Joel Holfer of course was uh, pretty solid in net for them uh, so I'm sure he had a fun time being back here and seeing some old faces again so and uh, and he'll be feeling good uh, leaving town with a win. I, I heard that you talked to Joel prior to last night's Living Sky Casino Bronco hockey uh, broadcast you know what was your experience like talking with the Hope? Very very relaxed very chill kid from what I remember. Yeah to be honest I didn't realize how tall he was until I looked at his stats just before I went to go talk. I didn't realize he was six foot five. So he's uh, he's a big kid. But uh, like you said, he's very, very laid back. You know, there are some goalies who get in the zone before a game and won't want to, you know, do interviews or whatever. And I was, you know, I, I would rather talk to him after their pregame or uh, morning skate, but didn't get a chance to track him down. So I was kind of worried he was going to, you know, say no, thanks kind of thing. But yeah, he was he was gracious. He came out and we chatted about, um, you know, being here, you know, the differences uh, between living here and down in Portland and uh, his experience there, you know, signing his NHL contract with St. Louis, and um, you know he's uh, he's off to a good start this year with four wins now, and uh, most likely will play pro next season. He's got his contract signed, could come back as an overager, but I'd be a little surprised if he came back to junior. So uh, appreciate Nick Merrick, uh, Portland's broadcaster, for helping me set that up to get a chance to uh, talk to Joel. Also on the Broncos this week podcast today, you had a chance to talk to Swift Current Bronco alum Lawrence Nicolette, uh, a guy who's got some interesting stories. He was one of the first ever Swift Current Bronto- Bronco Bantam draft picks went on to have a successful pro career including a cup of coffee with the Washington Capitals yeah I played uh, 50 total games in the NHL for a couple different teams uh, Rangers Capitals Canucks Ottawa Senators uh, so he he was playing pro for a long time over a decade I think he was playing pro and um, like you said he's got some stories we I it was when getting ready for that interview I was going you know through his his former games and he, he scored two goals in the NHL they were both assisted by Alex Ovechkin when Ovechkin was in his second year in the NHL so kind of crazy and then he shared locker rooms with uh, you know on the Rangers guys like Mark Messier Eric Lindros Brian Leach and Alex Kovalev and the Sedins in Vancouver so uh, you know Nicolette may have had may not have had the longest NHL career but 
but uh, you know he certainly seemed to make it count uh, with his games there in the NHL and uh, had some great stories while playing here in Swift Current and uh, working his way through the pro ranks as well. Very much looking forward to that chat. That's coming up later on on the Broncos This Week podcast. In the much more immediate future, we'll have a conversation with Swift Current Bronco assistant coach Brandon Cote. He'll break down last night's 8-2 loss to the Portland Winterhawks shortly. You're listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16, the official beer of the Swift Current Broncos. Broncos This Week podcast brought to you by Original 16, Coach's Show Edition. Uh, Swift Current Bronco assistant coach Brandon Cote joining us after uh, a game that I thought you you played with a competitive, good, skilled Portland team through 40 minutes, but uh, the wheels kind of fell off in the third period. Hey, eh? Would you agree with that assessment? Yeah, for sure. It, it was it was a frustrating uh, result, especially, like you said, we were right in the game. I thought... Uh, I thought the first period was all right. The second period, I thought overall, I mean, I don't know what the exact stats were, but I think we only allowed them to six or seven shots, and I think we had more than probably 12 or 13. So, you know, that was good, and we were in the game, and even though we were down two going to third, we felt that, uh, you know, we had a good opportunity to to win. And uh, I think after they scored the first one there, the the sails the wind just went out of the sails a little bit so you know those are things where we're working with our group on uh just that consistency with and and uh you know habits don't necessarily they're not going to change overnight and we're working daily to to continue to change those some of those habits and and just that consistency with our work ethic and our mindset that you know what we're a good team and we can win games but we have to make sure we're playing i know it's cliche the right way uh how we need to play to to stay in games and and give ourselves a chance to win it's that old cliche but it's a cliche because it's true it's a 60 minute game you got to play for 60 minutes and as swite said you were right there through 40 things kind of turned sideways in the third and it was kind of the same against red deer too where it was a 2-1 game after two but then when Red Deer got an early goal in the third or just like Portland did yesterday it just kind of takes the wind out of the sails like you said yeah and and uh, I think even yesterday too while in our games like our specialty teams we've been working a lot on them it was unfortunate that our PK which was was real good for the the first part you know had a bit of a tough night um, so you know even if you get one or two of those kills you're, you're still in pretty good shape um, obviously it was great to finally be able to break through on our power play which is a positive so you try to take positives out of those games for sure and there were some positives so today we're we're coming to work again and uh we're prepared for the next one yeah and let's talk about the next one the uh the winnipeg ice in town you know not unlike portland this is a a young team that certainly has some skill you know what do you know about this uh this squad from the 204 well they're much improved i I believe and and yeah they have a lot of good young talent so i think along a lot lot on the lines like portland they're going to play a fast quick game uh they're going to come at you with speed so we have to find ways to manage that uh taking away their time and space and then uh, also capitalize on our opportunities so you know youth some Sometimes allows for some mistakes and so I think we're gonna have to capitalize on that but they're gonna be hungry too because I don't I think the last couple games have been fairly tough on them as well so uh, they're gonna be coming in hungry to start I think they play well they play play in medicine hat tomorrow Um, so we'll get a good read on on what they're bringing to swift current the next night uh, by watching 
that game. But uh, yeah, we're going to have to be prepared for a, a hard, hard-nosed, fast game. It's the last of a four-game homestand uh, on Saturday as well before the team goes on the road for five straight and 10 of 11 overall. So uh, does that put a little more importance on trying to get a win before you hit the road for that long stretch? Yeah, for sure. It's always it's always huge to, to have a good effort before you go on the road. Um, it's always nice to get on the road too. Uh, again, you, you have those trips where you can meld as a team a little bit more, spend some more time together, obviously. Um, but yeah, that, that last game here before home was, is going to be big, especially with uh, the fact we're going to be out of our rink for, for quite a bit, quite some time here coming up. Yeah. And, you know, with, with the team and what you're working on today, uh, you're getting ready for that big road trip, you know, maybe elaborate on that, because I know you had a, a big road trip through BC early last year, you know, talk about how that that might be advantageous for your group to, to do this trip early in the year. Yeah, it's it's always good just to get to know. I mean, we did some team building and training camp, but it's not all the, you know, we still had some younger guys that were here too. So um, it's just one of those things where you, even as coaches, you get, there's more time where you can maybe grab a guy and, and just have a conversation with him as you're walking to the rink or going for lunch in Victoria or Vancouver or whatever it may be. So I think there's opportunities just to, as coaches, to create just more personal uh, relationships with the players too and get to know them better which is always advantageous to help push them and um, just as players just to be able to hang out give them some free time some unstructured time to just to just chill and and go see the sites if you have a day off or whatever it may be or go for lunch together it's real important early on the year to be able to do that so there there's there's definitely examples of of uh, those types of situations where where it helps the team take that next step on a more uh, light-hearted note, it is Comic Book Heroes Night on Saturday when Winnipeg is here. Were you a comic book guy growing up? Uh, not necessarily a comic book guy. I was. Uh, I was actually a he. Like He Man was kind of my favorite character. So, um, but uh, I know my my wife and her and her brothers were huge comic guys. My 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 sons are huge comic uh, guys, and and they're the like the Marvel stuff. So they're real into Spider Man right now. They've already got their Halloween costumes, and they're both Spider Man. So uh, they. They'd actually really enjoy that night. <laughs> which which well-known comic book hero do you most relate to? <laughs> if, you, if you had a superpower, like what what would it be? Actually, I think we had that we had that question at the the uh, team billet uh, event about um, three weeks ago, and I think I, what did I say? I said Superman because I could fly. I, I I don't know why. I just I, I think being able to fly and just jet wherever you want would be pretty neat. I've heard assistant coach Scott Dutar compare you more to the Incredible Hulk, but <laughs> uh, but if you say Superman, yeah. then uh, then we'll, we'll go with that. Fair enough. Uh, you know, I, I just want to get a, a hockey-related question here before we wrap up. Uh, you know, we, we've touched on it. You know, the game against Red Deer, you guys were there through 40 minutes. The game against Portland, you know, you guys were there. You know, between now and your next game, you know, in practice, you said you're going to be going to work today. You know, what what's the message to this guys? Because the guys, because they've shown that they can compete with some good teams. Just, again, consistency, competitiveness, and habits. And that's what we're preaching. And you're seeing it in some parts of our game, but not all. And and that's where the it's a fine line between winning and losing a lot of times. And so where you have to start is your foundation, and your foundation has to be your work ethic and your habits. And we haven't had that consistently enough throughout the first part of the year here. So we're going to continue to foster that, and it's up to the guys to, to take control of that and take ownership of it to, to get better. All right. Broncos This Week podcast brought to you by Original 16. Brandon, we thank you very much for joining us this morning. No problem. Thanks, guys. we got Bronco alum Lawrence Nicolette, one of the first ever Swift Current Bronco Bantam draft picks who went on to a successful pro career. That chat with Lawrence and Craig Boschman straight ahead.
You're listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16, the official beer of the Swift Current Broncos. Broncos This Week podcast presented by Original 16. We're very pleased to be joined on the line now by the man who was fourth all-time in defenseman scoring by the Swift Current Broncos. Lawrence Nicolad joins us on the phone. Lawrence, how are you doing today? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. Uh, now, you're down in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota these days. Uh, is that kind of where you've made your home after your playing days were done? Yeah, we. Uh, I've been down here since uh, early 2000s. Um, I came down here for, I was originally with the Minnesota Wild out of junior after Swift Current. Uh, I ended up meeting my wife down here, uh, so we kind of made this, um, this is always our home base during my playing days, and uh, we liked it, and we ended up staying. Now, speaking of your playing days, of course, you spent your entire junior career here with the uh, Broncos, but we'll go back to even further. Uh, you're a Calgary kid, I think, born and raised, is that right? Yeah, yeah, born and raised Calgary. So you ended up being a second-round pick of the Broncos in uh, 1994. I mean, what was the following the Western League draft like for you leading up to uh, draft day? Well, it was a little bit different back then uh, as far as, uh, you know, internet and, um, you know, tracking stuff like that. I was actually at Notre Dame. I went to Notre Dame for three years, so I was a hound. Um, I remember we knew, uh, you know, of the Western Hockey League draft, and we were there. We had a pretty good Bantam team, so there were a bunch of us who were eligible to be drafted. Um, but, you know, we had no internet back then. Nobody had computers or personal laptops. It was kind of just coming in, you know, whenever someone's parents would get a phone call back wherever they were originally from, and, I remember we were out playing uh, roller hockey for a roller hockey team in Notre Dame, and uh, one of the kids on my team came out and told me that he talked to his parents, and they told me that I was drafted by Swift Current. So what was your immediate reaction? I mean, being in Wilcox, you would have known a lot about the Western League and the Saskatchewan team specifically. So you, I mean, what was your reaction when you heard it was the Broncos who picked you up? Uh, uh, you know, I was excited. Uh, you know, anytime you know, you're drafted, um, you know, for whatever sport it is or you know, whatever round it is, um, you know, I was very excited. I think I went early in the second round. Um, so, you know, I was excited. I was excited for, um, you know, what it meant potentially going forward. Um, and just to know that, uh, you know, people were watching, I guess I was probably kind of a little bit naive as to, as far as WHL scouts and college scouts and stuff like that back then. But, um, you know, I was excited. The game has evolved quite a bit since then with the speed and the way things are, are kind of looked at now. But when you first made it to the Western League, I mean, what kind of league was it when you first made your appearance there? Uh, I mean, it was a, it was a, a really a tough league. Um, I, I, mean, I haven't seen a game in a number of years. Um, I'm assuming it's the same way. But it was tough as far as, um, you know, you had a lot of veteran players um, that kind of cut their teeth and paid their dues. And, uh, you know, when I came in, I came in as a 17-year-old and, um, you know, you go through training camp and preseason and things look pretty rosy. And then it's, um, you know, it's a whole different ball game once the regular season starts. And, um, you know, you have to adjust and try to bring your, your game up to the level of the guys who've done it before. But, uh, you know, it's tough. There's a lot to, you know, it's a steep learning curve. Um, you got to earn your ice time and you got to kind of figure out, you know, how far you're willing to push yourself to try to gain more ice time. And, um, you know, you, you kind of lean on the veteran players to kind of take you under their wing and kind of show you and teach you. And, um, you know, you kind of, you know, slowly get in and then you can take more on, you know, as you become you know, able to or or the coaches see fit. And playing here for your entire junior career, there'd be guys that you played a number of years with. So are there some of the guys that you remember from those four seasons that you kind of gravitated towards more uh, over your time here? Yeah, I mean, we had a we had a real good group of guys. I mean, every year I was there. I mean, when you're a rookie, it's a little bit different. You kind of, uh, 
you know, it's New Year. You know, it wasn't my first time away from home. I wasn't, I didn't have trouble with that adjustment. But, um, you know, just the, uh, you know, you know, the lifestyle as far as the scheduling of the games going and, you know, school and all that. But, um, you know, Chad Beagle, Jeremy Reach, Tyler Murray. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting guys. I know Jeremy Rondo is still in town. There was a good guy, Curtis Drummond, uh, Jeff Schaefer, Tyler Shabunk. I mean, it's just, I mean, the list could honestly, you know, it just goes on and on. I mean, you spend so much time with those guys on the bus and, you know, hanging out and at the rink and uh, at school. So it's, um, you know, we had a good group of guys every year I was there. I was lucky, fortunate in that, in that aspect of the game. Now the rink has undergone some renovations. I think it was about 10 years or so ago. They knocked down the one wall, added some more seats. But what do you remember about those home games back in the late 90s uh, playing for the Broncos? Uh, I mean, I, I, I really enjoy I mean, it was always a tough place to play. I mean, it's obviously, you know, one of the smaller markets. So, it's, I mean, you know, the arena never compared. You're kind of in awe when you went out to the West Coast. But uh, I loved it. I mean, I, you know, kind of cut my teeth after Calgary and Notre Dame playing in the Saskatchewan rinks. And, um, you know, I loved it. I know it was a tough place for people to come play, but, you know, it was a good atmosphere, uh, smaller town, but, you know, you have a very loyal, passionate fan base there. And, um, you know, it was always exciting to step on the ice and, and play in Swift Current. Now, looking at, you know, strictly going off your, your point totals here, it looks like you just got better and better every year. I mean, by the time your 20-year-old season rolled around, you put up 80 points in 70 games. I mean, were you just feeling super confident by the end of that season that you could be a pro hockey player? Uh, not really. Um, you know, I think that it's, uh, you know, it's weird. I mean, like I said, back then there wasn't as much, you know, uh, social media or just internet. I mean, you, you watched games on CBC or the playoff games, but, um, you know, it was always a dream to be a, a professional hockey player, but, um, you know, it seemed so far, you know, out of, out of your grasp or so far away. I mean, you see all these guys that you play against who are, you know, NHL talent and, you know, it's tough to, it's tough to measure yourself to there. I knew I was, I had, you know, like I said, I progressed every year in junior and I was very thankful for that. And that had a lot to do with my great teammates and the co. I mean, having Todd McClellan as a coach for four years was phenomenal. Um, but, you know, my last year, I actually, you know, I blew my ACL out um, first game of playoffs and I was pretty much thought I was done. So I had actually, um, I had set up interviews. Well, not interviews, but I had a fly out schedule that's going to go out to Acadia and I was going to go look at the University of Alberta, and I was going to go to school. And um, luckily, Minnesota came back, and we were able to get something done. And that's kind of how my my pro started. It kind of started where I didn't play till January of the next year, but um, you know, I was hopeful to be a pro. But I was, you know, very thankful that I would have had that option to use that education money from the WHL. Yeah, I'm looking at one website here. It says you didn't sign that uh, that contract with Minnesota until August 31st, so it, it was left pretty late. Yeah. And I think that Todd McClellan was also your coach you know, with the Houston Arrows, wasn't he? Yeah, I got lucky again there, you know, with the familiarity I had with him. Um, you know, so my first year was in Cleveland. I didn't play till January. Uh, I went to the East Coast for about a week or two, and then I came back up, and then I played with him for him in Houston for the following year and a half until I got traded. But um, you know, he was very instrumental in my career. I think that, you know, because we knew each other so well, he was able to have talks with me that, um, you know, really resonated, um, you know, on a different level just because we've had so much history together. And I mean, he really, he really helped me along and pushed me along and, you know, made me believe that maybe I could, you know, I could achieve my ultimate goal, but, um, you know, his patience also knowing what kind of player I was in junior or what kind of player he projected to be in pro was really helpful in those first few years where I was felt like I was hurt more than I was healthy.
And you mentioned reaching that ultimate goal. So before we get to your NHL debut with the Rangers, you did get traded from Minnesota to, to uh, New York. Look like around the deadline of 2003, and that would have been the first time you'd been traded before because you never got traded in juniors. So, I mean, what was that, that phone no. call like for you? Uh, you know, that was, uh, you know, it was trade deadline day, and we knew the Wild were looking to make deals. Uh, they had a pretty good, strong team, and they were looking, and it was kind of funny where, you know, I uh, trade deadline in pro is it's, it's, um, it's a fun day. It's funny. Uh, but at the same time, there's lives affected. But, you know, we're young. I remember starting a rumor that one of my best friends was traded, but not to tell anyone. And we all had a good laugh about it. And then uh, I was, we were, I was after a pregame skate, I was walking into uh, my apartment in Houston, and Tom Lynn, the assistant GM from Minnesota, called me and told me that they had traded me to the Rangers, and um, they picked up a goalie that I believe won the MVP for the Calder Cup playoffs that year. But, we were kind of light in net. Uh, we had some injuries and, um, you know, it was, it was tough. It was, I won't lie. We had such a good group of guys. We were all young guys coming up together in Houston and, you know, I lived with two of my best friends in pro and, uh, you know, kind of turned things upside down for a little bit, but once you get your head around it, um, you know, you realize that there's an opportunity waiting for you wherever you got traded and you try to pick the pieces up as quick as you can and go. Yeah, and that opportunity obviously came with the Rangers, so you do eventually make your debut the following season, January 20th of 2004. So before we get into the game, tell me about the phone call you get from the Rangers saying, hey, we need you up here to play in a couple of days. Uh, you know, it was exciting. Um, I was actually, before my, you know, I got called up a couple of times when I got traded there. I just didn't play. Uh, but to go up, um, you know, and to go into Madison Square Garden and, you know, take warm-ups and just be in that kind of, you know, iconic building. And, you know, at the time there was, um, you know, it was before the salary caps. I mean, you had guys like Mark Messier and you had, you know, Yager Yager and Eric Lindros and um, Brian Leach. I mean, it was just, you know, it was kind of, you're kind of surreal, you know, it's tough to, uh, you know, walk in there and, and not be nervous. Um, they were all, you know, very accommodating and nice and, you know, made a point to come and ask questions about you. And even though I'm thinking, you know, I should be asking you questions, but, um, <laughs> You know, it was just, uh, you know, it was, it was amazing. I mean, my first time getting called up to play, I think I was in Utah and I had to take a flight from Utah back to New York. So, um, you know, it's nerve wracking. I mean, you want to do well. And, you know, I think sometimes, you know, looking back, um, I pick pieces out of those experiences where at the time it's just kind of, they fly by you and you're just, um, you're not really, you don't really take in as much as you should or can. Well, that was the 0304 season, so you get your first taste of NHL action. And then the following year was the lockout, of course. So it was frustrating, I think, for everybody who enjoys watching hockey. But I guess for a guy who was really trying to make his way to the NHL on a regular basis, was it tough to be like, man, I finally made it. Now i got to for sure sit out a whole year without getting to play in the NHL. Yeah, it's tough. Um, you know, you you know, um, you know, know, sometimes, you know, as retired professional athletes, you look back and, um, you sometimes can dwell on missed opportunities, um, or say, you know, that was my year to be a full timer, but you know, everyone was in the same situation. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't just myself. Um, at the same time, you know, the American league, probably that was the best year it's ever, it's ever been. Um, I mean, the teams, I mean, every single night where, you know, you're facing, you know, guys like Eric Stahl and Patrice Bergeron and, um, you know, just NHL future stars. So, I mean, the league was, as exciting as it possibly could be, but you know, at the same time, it's it's different because you know you're playing because your ultimate goal is to play in the NHL. So when the, the season's not going on, it's a little different mindset. But at the same time, there's people watching all the time, and um, 
got to work with what uh, what you got. And you ended up signing with the Washington Capitals ahead of the uh, 05 06 season, had a really good year down there in Hershey, and then get called up to the Washington Capitals for the 06 07 season. And I was looking at the, the box scores from your games, and you had the two goals that year. Both of those goals yeah. assisted by Alex Ovechkin. Like, that must have been unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it was a great experience. You know, it was it was, it was amazing. I mean, I was uh, playing on the first power play with Ovechkin, which was kind of surreal. Um, you know, I had a real good string of games, you know, when I was playing. Um, you know, to score my first goal against was against Martin Broder. And uh, I remember we were in the old New Jersey arena, and it was pretty quiet in there. And, um, I mean, you could see on the replay, you could hear me yelling because I couldn't believe that it actually happened. But... <laughs> I, you know, it was amazing. It was amazing to play with a guy like that, and just you know, you just see what makes those superstars. You know, superstars. They're just they're you know they're a level ahead of everyone else. Yeah, and everyone knows what he's done now. I mean, but he was only what twenty two, twenty three years old back then. I mean, he was probably bouncing off the walls every single day. Yeah, he was just kind of scratching the surface. I mean, he's just you know, I mean, you you, you can tell you know what kind of player he was going to be and. Um, you know, he continually does it year after year. So, you know, it was amazing to be, you know, part of a team with him and practice with him. And, um, yeah, it was it was pretty neat. You ended up playing for a couple of Canadian teams over your NHL career. But, I mean, you played games in Madison Square Garden. You played games for the Vancouver Canucks, uh, Washington Capitals, Ottawa Senators. I mean, are you able to compare what playing home games for all those all those teams in those different atmospheres was like? Yeah, I do. I mean, I mean, my uh, you know, kid. We have three boys, and they'll they'll ask me sometimes, you know, if we're watching a game, if I played in that rink, or you know, what it was like to play in the rink. And um, you know, Madison Square Garden was you know pretty iconic. Um, I'm a Western Canadian boy. I, I have a soft spot for you know Vancouver or Edmonton or Calgary. Um, you know, just the thing that kind of that gives you a little bit of goosebumps is when you hear, you know everyone in the in the arena you know singing the canadian national anthem that's the one that always that always kind of gets me it's just kind of it's just you know it's just an amazing feeling to be on the bench or on the ice whether you're starting or not you hear everyone singing your national anthem and those are that's what i tell my boys vancouver and i played in toronto uh hockey night in canada once with uh with washington and that was pretty um you know that was pretty amazing as well well, and just to go back quickly to that first year in Hershey, uh, you guys end up winning the Calder Cup in 05-06. You guys had a pretty good-looking team there, and uh, that run to the final and to win a, a championship, I guess that probably would have been the first league championship you had won before. It must have been a pretty a pretty special moment, something you think fondly of. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, that was that's one of the highlights of my career for sure. I think that, um, you know, the playoffs are such a grind. Uh, they go so long, and then you, you have time off, and then you got to get right back into it, and uh, I mean, we had a we had a team that kind of just you know around February or March we just kind of clicked. Um, we were always pretty good, and then we took it up to another level. We had great coaches, Bruce Boudreaux and Bob Woods, um, and then you know it just things just kept rolling in the playoffs. And um, I definitely cherish that that uh, that one championship that I was able to win throughout my career, junior and pro. And um, I think that when you when you're playing, you, know, you start out, you kind of you kind of assume you're always going to win one or win something. And when you're done, you realize that's, you know, that's not the case for everyone. So to have that one is really, it's really special. We mentioned your time in Vancouver. You ended up playing 14 games for them in the 08-09 season. And you got an assist. I think that assist was on a Daniel Sedin goal as well. So you got a chance to share a locker room with the Sedins for, you know, however long it may have been. And everybody has nothing but, you know, incredible things to say about those guys. And you would have had a personal experience with them. They're just awesome. Um, 
awesome humans. They're, they're welcoming, they're nice, they're kind, they're, um, you know, but at the same point, they're like, they're, you know, fierce competitors. And, you know, you see guys that are at the top of the game like them and how hard they work in the gym and how hard they work in practice. And, um, they're just, you know, they're just, you couldn't have better ambassadors for the game or for the Vancouver Canucks when they were playing. I mean, they were just, they were amazing. I hate to put you on the spot, but with your time in NHL locker rooms, were there some guys that uh, you kind of became close friends with and guys that really stand out to you during your time in the NHL? Yeah, there's, there's a, there's a couple of guys, um, you know, for myself, when I was in the NHL, most of the time I was probably, uh, you know, a, a, a anywhere from a five to an eight defenseman. Um, so, you know, I had my, my fair share of, uh, bag skates and, um, you know, extra workouts, which is fine. You know, everyone has their role to play. We can't all play 25 minutes a night, but you know, we, you know, the, I spent a lot of my time doing that, Like, you know, we would kind of gravitate towards each other because we'd spend a lot of time on the road. We were on different schedules, but, um, yeah, I mean, every team you got, you have good guys you kind of gravitate towards. Um, so I can't really name, you know, a bunch offhand, but you know, there's, there's, quite a few for sure well and speaking of life on the road obviously in the western league it's it's buses to you know one side of the country to the to the halfway point but in the nhl obviously it's charter flights everywhere so that lifestyle of being in the nhl and having those flights i mean that's got to be a pretty big eye-opener for you once you'd, you'd gotten there too oh it's amazing uh you know i keep telling you tell people it's just i mean you can't you can't really um you know it's tough really to, to describe i mean there's just you know, anything you could possibly ever need or want. Um, they do such a good job taking care of their players and, um, you know, the food and just, it's just kind of something you, when you're doing it, you know, you just have to pinch yourself and, um, you know, tell yourself that tomorrow, you know, you got to make sure you work extra hard if you want to keep doing this. Now you end up going over to Germany for your last season of pro hockey, 11-12 with the Crefield Penguins. So uh, going over to Germany, was it just a decision to go and maybe see some of the world and then play some pro hockey at the same time? Uh, well, when I went over there, I was pretty much done. My career was pretty much done. I had, uh, numerous injuries that had kind of built up. Uh, I thought maybe I could play one more year, um, with fewer games, um, kind of a less physical, um, playing style and, and a chance to see some of the world. It didn't really turn out that way. I wasn't able to play very much. and I was pretty much, um, you know, headed out of the game at that point. So, you know, I think that situation could have been uh, a special one for myself and my family. It just it just didn't turn out that way. But uh, it's definitely a great option for, for players looking to, you know, try to prolong their career or get a chance to see the world. Well, and kind of a cool thing, I just looked at the roster right now and I noticed that Ben Andres was on that same team and he was a teammate of yours in Swift Current for two years. So yeah. kind of an added bonus to see him again. Yeah, it was funny. Duncan Milroy was over there too. And I, I mean, we had, uh, I mean, I played against Ben in the American League and Duncan in the American League. So, um you know, I hadn't had a chance to spend much time with them being that I live in Minneapolis. I don't are unfortunately I don't get to see a lot of Broncos alumni, but uh, it was great. It was great to reconnect with those guys and be on the same team with them again. So you said you kind of knew that your career was winding down after that, that time in Germany. So I guess that first morning that you wake up after you know that you're retired as a professional hockey player, is it kind of a, a strange feeling? Yeah, I mean, mine was, um, I, I knew I was done, you know, pretty early into that year that I just physically couldn't do it anymore. Um, you know, I think as a professional player, I mean, your, your head and your heart tell you two different things. So you keep trying to push through, but it just doesn't work out. And, um, you know, I mean, you can look at it one of two ways where, you know, you're disappointed that it's over, even if you feel it's over early, or you can feel grateful that you had the opportunity to get to do that for so many years. 
um, you know, I was lucky enough to play for 12 years and, you know, I like to look back and think that I was one of the lucky ones who got to do that as opposed to being upset that I, you know, retired a little earlier than I wanted to. Well, it's been eight years since you've been out of playing hockey now, and it looks like you kind of delved into coaching a bit at the U.S. Uh, Minnesota high school level. Have you have you thought about maybe hockey being in your future in, in some way or another still? Um, a little bit. Um, you know, it's kind of tough right now. We have three boys. They're all hockey age. Um, you know, I honestly, I enjoy coaching them um, as much as I did anything else in hockey. So I think that for now that's kind of suits our family the best that um, – you know, I don't per se hockey or do hockey as a profession or a career, but um, I, you know, I went close and I still have, you know, I still talk to a lot of people in the hockey world that I'm close with and I played with, but I think right now I'm pretty good with just pushing minor hockey. Well, hey, Lawrence, I appreciate you taking this call here today. It was awesome to get a chance to chat with you, and I'm sure some uh, old school Broncos fans will appreciate hearing your voice again. Well, thanks very much for having me on, and um, good luck to Swift Current this year. And um, I just want to say I had a great Four years in Swift Current, it uh, holds a special place in my heart. And one of these days, I'd like to, nothing more than to come back and show my family where I live for four years. Perfect. Thanks so much for this, Lawrence. Thanks very much. Have a good day. You're listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16, the official beer of the Swift Current Broncos. Broncos This Week podcast, loaded show. Great conversation with uh, Lawrence Nicolette. We certainly thank him for taking time out to chat with us today. Here's some great stories from Lawrence. Yeah, very appreciative of him for uh, taking my call on a Monday morning and uh, getting a chance to talk to him for about 20 minutes. Uh, like I said, he's got some great stories from his days uh, playing pro, uh, both here and a little bit over in Europe as well. And, uh, you know, living life now as a retired guy with three three young sons uh, who are getting into hockey themselves. So with, uh, big thanks to uh, Lawrence for taking some time on Monday for me. Very, very excited about who next week's feature guest is going to be uh if tim tisdale scored the biggest goal in swift current bronco history the 1989 memorial cup winner uh, i would say that kimby daniels probably scored the second biggest and kimby's going to join us on the broncos this week podcast uh daniels is a 16 year old with the broncos trailing 3-2 in the memorial cup final he scored the tying goal back in the day so if tizzy had the most important goal i'd say kimby's was definitely number two so very much looking forward to talking to kimby daniels on next week's bronco this week podcast we have a big night coming up at the Innovation Credit Union IPlex on Saturday. It is Comic Book Hero Night, where fans are encouraged to to dress up in in super in in comic book hero attire. Uh, or you know what, if you got a good Halloween contest, if you want to be a prince or a princess, you can do that too. But the focus is Super Charlie and Comic Book Hero Night. Yeah, kind of an early uh, Halloween if you want to look at it that way. With the Broncos uh, being on the road for a long, long time, uh, following this weekend, a nice chance to kind of get some some fun going in the rink here at the IPlex. And um, like you said, comic book heroes it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun hopefully people uh you know come dressed up as their favorite uh, comic book hero and uh charlie's going to be walking around in his uh, super charlie costume and it's going to be a player signing in the lobby after the game all the players are going to come out and we'll set up a couple tables and i think it's the first 200 fans in the rink get a, a poster that a super charlie poster that you can use to get the players to sign so uh should be a fun night uh, with winnipeg in town as well first time to see winnipeg uh, the new rendition of a whl team from winnipeg so they're a young fast team uh, one of those 
most up-and-coming teams, just like the Broncos are too. So two young teams going head-to-head. Superhero night at the Iplex uh, should be a fun one. Yeah, and as far as comic book heroes goes, uh, you know, are you a Marvel, a DC guy? You know what? I was never, never huge into that kind of stuff. I was more of a Star Wars type of guy, Star Wars and um, and Lord of the Rings. But um, you know, I think some of my favorite movies in that regard are probably the Iron Man ones. I think I still actually haven't seen how many Avenger movies do they have now? Three, forty-seven. Yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't seen the most recent, <laughs> like three or four. So uh, the, the the Iron Iron Man one and two, I think, were some of my favorites uh, when it comes to that that genre. If you could have a superpower, I'll put you on the spot here. Uh, you know, I think I have to agree with uh, Brandon Cote. He said the same thing earlier. He, I think he'd prefer to fly. I think it'd just be cool to kind of just be able to go wherever you want, whenever you want. I think that'd be kind of a cool, uh, a cool power to have. Yeah, and you'd be able to get anywhere you want, fly anywhere, and you'd be reducing emissions as well. So Broncos This Week podcast brought to you by Original 16. A big thanks to Brandon Cote and Lawrence Nicolette for being our guests this week. Next week, feature guest Kimby Daniels, and we'll see what else materializes between then and now. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16.